Well, this morning it is our privilege to hear from Dr. Lawson Murray. He is the president of Scripture Union Canada, and we are delighted to have you this morning share God's word. So please welcome Dr. Lawson Murray. Thank you, Lisa. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you, good to worship with you. And it's especially good because we've had a long relationship with Rosewood, and I, this is my first visit. So, so here's the relationship. Uh, Jeremy, Pastor Nick's son, served with Scripture Union years ago. Amy, Pastor Nick's daughter, is my colleague, and we work every day together. And she said she's away on holiday with her mum and dad right now, and she said, say hello to everyone from me. And, um, and Bria uh, served with Scripture Union, who now works in your children's ministry. And Silken, who was up here singing this morning, uh, she has served for two years uh, as a coach uh, through the summer ministry with the children's sports camps. And I'm going, wow, and I finally get to meet all these wonderful people. So it's good to be with you this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you through song, through prayer, uh, and through the, the giving of our offerings, and the testimony, and just all of the good things that have already happened this morning. And we thank you that as we come to your word now, we will be looking to you, we will be trusting your spirit to teach us, to minister to us, to transform our hearts and minds and to continue on with us at this time. May the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Most important word that we would have sung or spoken or said this morning is God's word. And, and I often wonder about uh, how we venerate the Lord's Word. And I was reading in 2 Kings 22 just recently the story of Josiah, that one of those few good kings in the Old Testament there. And I love the fact that as you get into chapter 23 of 2 Kings, he gathers all the people and they stand together to hear the Lord's Word being read. So won't you stand with me? We're going to read the Lord's Word. We're going to honor the Lord through the reading of His Word. These are the most important words we will hear this morning. The rest will be commentary. So if we can have the text there, we're going to read from James 1. Let's read together. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Amen? Have a seat. Four brief observations from that text this morning. And the first one is this, that we need to receive God's Word. We need to receive God's Word. Now, how do we do that? How do we receive God's Word? Well, I remember just 40 or so years ago when I came to faith in Christ just before my 19th birthday, Shortly after that, my mother gave me what became my first of what I think is about 100 Bibles that I have at home now, and I brought it with me. Here it is. It's held together with duct tape, and it's still going strong, and you probably can't see up the back there, but it says at the top there, Holy Bible. So my first Bible, non-Christian background, and I look at that cover, and I say to myself, wow, Never come across a book that says it's holy. Nowadays, you get one of these, you get a Bible and it says little princess Bible, woman's devotional Bible, the message, or whatever it is. Uh, There's still some that say holy, but my first one said holy. So even before I opened it, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, holy. Well, wow, I've never had something that's holy before. I wonder how I I get to read something that's holy. So I was thinking about that. And over the years, obviously, as I've thought about that more, I've realized that the very first thing I need to do when I receive God's Word is recognize that it's a word unlike any other word. That it is holy that it's given to us by God. So I can't just come and read it any old way. The first thing I need to do when I receive God's word is confess sin. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God by my sin. So in order to come close to God and his word, I need to deal first with the issue of sin. And James 1 and verse 21 raises that for us, as you'll see on the screen. It says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word. Get rid of all moral filth and evil. When I used to church plant and pastor churches, I'd often have people saying to me, oh, pastor, I I struggle to get into God's word. And I'd say, well, have you thought about it? Why is that? And they'd say, well, you know, I'm really busy and um, I'm not really sure about it, so they're sort of like a little ignorant about what God's word was, or I'm not interested in it, or if, if I probed a little more, it would sort of come under a combination of things like the effect of secularism and the world at large and so on. 
But even though when we do research across the country as we do, and we discover that the number one reason given by people as to why they don't read this or get into God's Word is because of busyness, what I like to call the tyranny of the urgent, that's not the real reason when we really press in. The real reason why many people struggle to connect with this book as a first reason is sin. There's a dividing wall between us and God and His Word. Sin prevents us from connecting. Now, according to Timothy in the portion that we, that we read there, uh, sorry, according to James in the portion that we read there in James 1, uh, God's Word is a good and perfect gift, verse 17. It comes from the Father, also in verse 17, who, as we know, is holy and untainted by sin, and in verse 18, it's truth. So we recognize where the Word of God comes from. We recognize that we, in turn, have to come in the right way to the Father who is without sin. So we can't read this in a loosey-goosey kind of way. When we read the Bible, we've got to start by confessing sin, by seeking forgiveness, by asking God to strip away our pride, because that's at the heart of so much of our sin. And as long as there's pride in the way, we're going to struggle, struggle to connect here. So that's the first thing as I come to receiving God's Word. And interestingly, <laughs> though I know that well, I often forget to do that. I'll pick up my Word in the morning to read it, and I'm already starting to think of the day, and you probably much like me, and I, and I start rushing into it, and I don't always approach it in the right way. So here's a reminder for us, for those of us who, who sort of are running before we're walking in, in the morning. Start by getting right with God in terms of where we are at with Him, confessing sin, and then turn to His Word. The second thing that I see is that we need to reflect on God's Word. We need to receive God's Word. We need to reflect on God's Word. I'm guessing that you, every single one of you, are here this morning because you want to be spiritually healthy. You wouldn't come here if you didn't want to be spiritually healthy. Comprehensive research reveals that the primary factor, in fact, it's a factor by 70% over, over the next 50 spiritual disciplines that inform our lives, the primary factor, the number one factor over all other spiritual disciplines that influences our spiritual health and growth is reflection on the Word of God. Now, hear me there. It's not just reading the Word. It's reading coupled with reflection. Uh, Kelly Parkinson, I, uh, I was a guest speaker with her at a conference down in Orlando many years ago, shortly after she did uh, this research. She worked with 1,500 churches in the United States. Uh, the Willow Creek Association of Churches sponsored the study. They ended up publishing a book called The Reveal Study. 
And they were the ones who uncovered this. And they unpack it in, in the Reveal Study book and speak about the importance of reflection on the text as being the primary spiritual formation factor for our health and growth, for us as individuals and for us as communities of faith. In verse 25 of James 1, we're invited to look intently. There's that word in the New International Version, intently into the Word. That word intently implies reflection on the Word through diligent and concerted study. Now, we are very, very committed at Scripture Union to speaking about the importance of reflection coupled with Bible reading. It's why, for example, we produce Bible reading guides for every age group, group that take people through the whole Bible in about four and a half years. And on the information table out the back there after the service, if you want to grab a little card there, it says the story on it. You can get a free online Bible reading guide that will help you reflect on the Word every single day. It's a fantastic resource written by about 120 of Canada's leading theologians and presidents of Bible colleges and denominational leaders and so on. You can get that for free from Scripture Union, and it'll help you reflect on God's Word day by day. I think personally, not because I work for Scripture Union, but because I know the importance of reflection on God's Word, that this is a key spiritual discipline that every one of you should have. And that's not just my opinion. Many top Christian leaders have used the Scripture Union reflection notes uh, for decades. In fact, I heard a wonderful story some time ago. Uh, the previous board chair of Scripture Union, uh, Reverend Dr. T.V. Thomas, uh, was down visiting uh, Dr. Billy Graham, and he was staying with him in his home. And uh, Dr. Thomas came down uh, the first morning he was there, and he sat himself down in, in, in Dr. Graham's living room, and he had in his hand his Bible, and he had his Scripture Union Bible reading notes. He had one of them called Encounter with God. And he was just about to open it up, and Dr. Graham walked into his living room, and he had in his hand his Bible and his Scripture Union Bible reading notes. And they sort of looked at each other and said, ah, oh, snap. Ah, you read that as well? And Dr. Graham said to Dr. Thomas, he says, I've been reading that all my life. He says, I know the importance of reflecting on God's Word. Just a few years ago, um, Dr. Palau, Louise Palau, came to um, Toronto for meetings here. He, he speaks on hundreds of radio stations. He's an international evangelist from Argentina. And he asked if he could have lunch with me, and he was asking me how the ministry was going. And what I didn't know was he told me that he'd been saved through the work of Scripture Union in Argentina. And he says, but Lawson, what I really appreciate, he says, what has informed my ministry for so many years are the reflection notes that Scripture Union publishes. He says, I just wanted to thank you so much personally for all the work that, that you guys put into that as an organization. 
He said this to me as well, and I quote, he says, I can't say enough good about the work of Scripture Union. It made me realize the importance of the Word of God. After all these years, the impact of Scripture Union continues with me. Some of you may have heard of the late John Stott. He, I think he died about five to seven years ago. In the previous century, he was the most influential evangelical theologian uh, within evangelicalism. And he too was led to faith in Christ by a Scripture Union worker. And he was established in the way of Christ through Scripture Union's Bible reading guides through reflecting, learning to reflect on the Word of God. And so um, he, as a result of that, grew in faith and in stature before the Lord and men and women and had a profound influence um, worldwide as a result of that. The, the Luzanne um, organization, for example, directly birthed out of, out of his work. Graham, Palau, and Stott, giants in the faith um, in certainly my time, and the point of it is this, Bible reading for them and for each one of us, hopefully, coupled with reflection on the Scriptures is what results in strong Christians and healthy churches. Interestingly, that research report that I mentioned, the Reveal study, of the 1,500 churches that they, that they worked with, once they had analyzed the top 50 spiritual formation factors with those churches, they took the 10% of weakest churches in there out of the 1,500, and they put that 10% of churches onto another Scripture Union resource called um, uh, uh, the Essential uh, 100 Challenge. And they did that for a year. It works with 100 main passages of Scripture to establish the main themes of God's Word, and you work through it as small groups and as churches all together. And they did that together. They retested them because they had a, a, a testing system for where churches were spiritually. At the end of the year, because they had spent a year as a church in a significant way reflecting on God's Word, they ended up being the top 10% of the whole sample group because of that one change-up in the church. So Bible reading coupled with reflection is essential for health and growth. Thirdly, so we've got receiving God's Word, reflecting on God's Word, remember God's Word. The text in verse 25 urges us to not forget the word. As it says, they're not forgetting. So how do we do that? How do we not forget the word? Remember many years ago, preaching another portion of scripture, I'd finished the message and I was standing at the door of that church and this lady came past me and she said, Pastor Lawson, she says, I don't know about this not forgetting God's word. She says, I don't even know what side of the bed I got out of this morning. And we smiled because, you know, we both related to that. It's sometimes tough to remember things. But here's the thing. Are we memorizing God's word? And I know some of us think, oh, that's really hard work. Well, usually the good things in life do take a little bit of hard work. I'm not going to not say that. 
But are we memorizing God's Word? Are we storing it up in our hearts? You're probably thinking, oh, I've got a smartphone. I can look it up. Yes, you can. I can too. But there's something different about having it lodged internally. Something different about driving down the road and I'm concerned and praying about something and the Lord brings out of my heart that word of Scripture to inform that issue, to comfort me or to encourage me along the way. And so I think we need to store it in our heart. I was fascinated, I discovered a few years ago that every year since 2009, nearly 6,000 American elementary and high school children put themselves against each other in something like a spelling bee kind of competition. It's known as the National Bible Bee. The National Bible Bee. It's sponsored by the Shelby Kennedy Foundation. They take a whole year preparing for this and they do elimination rounds until eventually there are 300 uh, young people and children left and they usually go to Nashville and then they have this final competition, the finals in Nashville. It includes two in-depth book studies uh, and they've got to, uh, they've got to learn um, 1,500 verses of Scripture in that year, 1,500. I've discovered again through the research that we do, because we do uh, national research, that the average Canadian Christian has only memorized a, a couple of scriptures, but they have to memorize 1,500, that they finally get to compete in this. What also fascinated me was that the Scripps National Spelling Bee, some of you have seen that on TV, that's sort of a big deal where those kids come up and they've got their number on and then they wait and they told their word and they ask questions. Well, that highly publicized Scripps National Spelling Bee, the, the champion prize money there is about 35,000 American dollars. Well, here at the National Bible Bee, the top place price, prize in the senior category is $100,000. And the total prize money at the, at the event is $350,000 each year. You know, when I heard that, which was a few years ago, I went to my, my kids, I said, you guys are learning Bible verses. I'm sending you down to Nashville. I'm gonna pay off the mortgage. <laughs> and then I looked it up and I discovered that you had to be an American citizen to be eligible to go. And I thought, oh no, they don't want us Canadians down there. 350,000. You know, some people may be a little bit shocked by the extravagance of that prize money. Phil Vischer, the creator of the VeggieTales, some of you know the VeggieTales stuff? Well, he's one of the hosts of the National Bible Bee, and, um, and he said this, and I quote, these kids are learning the Bible so they can live Christianity well. And I thought, way to go, Phil, you've nailed that. You've recognized that in scripture memorization, Something profound happens to us. Something transformational happens to us. And if we can transform our kids through Scripture memorization, transform ourselves through Scripture memorization, who knows what can happen in our homes and in our communities and in our nation. Nine-year-old Olivia Davis in the 2012 primary division 
she was the winner of that at the National Bible Bee. She said this, and I quote, she said, if young people all did Bible Bee, we could change the country forever. We've all just seen that news of neo-Nazis marching and anti-facets fighting with them and everything down in the States and just dreadful stuff happening there. Imagine if that nation, imagine if our nation, there was a, a revival of the Bible and, and we started really, really getting into God's Word and living it out. What a difference it might make in this nation. Fourth thing that I see in our passage here is that we need to respond to God's Word. We need to receive God's Word. We need to reflect on God's Word. We need to remember God's Word, and we need to respond to God's Word. The first three actions lead to the important fourth action. And in fact, if you look at the text, you'll see that the fourth action there are three verses of Scripture that tell us to do that. Now, just a little hermeneutical principle here, an unpacking the Word of God principle here. When you see something repeated three times in the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is saying, wake up, pay attention. This is the really important part of what you're connecting with here. And so three times in verses 22, 23, and 25, we see that we are to do what it says. We're to do what the Word of God says. If our Bible knowledge doesn't move us to action, we've missed the whole point of reading the Word. Information that we get out of the Word of God must become transformation. It must change my life. The acid test of Bible reading is whether or not, what I like to call, whether or not we've become living epistles. An epistle is a letter. Have I become a living letter of the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of reading His Word? Now, sadly, there are many people who read the Bible but don't do what it says. In fact, it's probably a true statement to say that every one of us in here, including me, reads the Bible and don't do everything it says. I've wondered whether what the Lord's waiting for in Canada is for just one of His people to take His word and live according to every word. Because then we will have revival in this nation. Then people from sea to sea will turn to Christ. So it starts with you and me. We need to respond to God's Word. Now to draw attention to how vitally important this is, James uses a metaphor he speaks about a mirror in verses 23 and 24. And the mirror is a metaphor for the Word of God. And, he's, and basically what he's saying is, when people read the Bible but don't do what it says, 
They're like people who look in a mirror and then go away and forget about what they look like. I have three adult children. My daughter's the eldest one. She's 32 years of age. She's got four children. But I remember when she was little. Maybe it's a girl thing, because the next two are boys. They never did this. She loved looking in a mirror. We had a mirror hanging up in sort of like the middle of our house. And I'd sort of come walking through, and there's Christy. She's standing there looking at herself. (laughs) And I'd go away, and she'd go away, and I'd come back an hour later, and there's Christy looking at herself. And I thought... What's up with this kid? She loved looking at herself. Interestingly, she's not a vain person at all today and very sort of humble, serves the Lord, worship leader and children's ministry worker, teacher. Uh, But when she was little, she just loved looking at herself. God's Word says that if we read the Bible and don't do what it says, we're like people who look in the mirror and then go away and forget what they look like. David Kinnaman, who heads up the Barna Group, which is a large Christian research organization in the States, uh, some years ago uh, published a book with Gabe Lyons, who's the founder of the Fermi Project. The book was called Unchristian, a very uh, interesting title. And in that, they said that only 3% of, of Christian uh, millennials, that sort of 20 to 40 year age group, only 3% of American Christian millennials, so we're not talking millennials across the board, possess a Christian worldview. In other words, live according to the precepts of God's word. Only 3% of that age group. In other words, just 3% of millennials in the States order their thinking, their decisions, their values, and their actions in line with the Word of God. Now, from a Canadian perspective, although he's an American researcher, Ed Stetzer from Lifeway Research, in his book, Transformational Discipleship, he says that 53% of young adult Canadian Christians never study the Bible. And they've researched across denominations across Canada. 53% of millennial Canadian Christians never study the Bible. Stetzer's research also reveals that 64% of young adult Canadian Christians have never attended a Bible study group. We had a testimony earlier about the importance of, of being part of a study group here. And then Pastor Lisa reinforced that in the announcements. I hope that everyone here at Rosewood is in one of those study groups, and especially the millennials. I'm deeply concerned for our church across this nation. To have the Bible and not study it and live by its directives is a spiritual catastrophe. So where does this leave us? I used to think that what we needed in Canada was a Bible reading revival. But that's only partly true. I want to illustrate with a story. 
My late father-in-law, who was an international evangelist and worked in 150 nations around the world, was the one whom I first heard this story from, and it went something like this. Story concerned a young woman who loved to read novels. And she bought one one day from her favorite bookstore. She took it home and she started reading it. And first page, started getting a little bit of a yawn coming on. Second, third page, wasn't grabbing her, but she pressed on. She got six or seven pages into it and she thought, you know, this really is boring. And she threw it in a box and forgot all about it. A year later, she met a guy and she fell madly in love with him. And over the months, their love blossomed and she just got to that place where she knew that she knew that he was the guy and he was gonna ask her to marry him. And so she was like, all her female senses were up and waiting for the big moment. And they were out uh, having supper one night and she just sort of wondered, maybe this is the night that he sort of cracks that little box open or looks at me across the table and says those magic words. And he looked at her across the table and he said, there's something I haven't told you about me. Oh, she thought, that's not the best way to open up. Will you marry me? <laughs> and he says, I'm an author. And she says, oh. She says, well, what do you write? He says, well, I only wrote one book. It was a novel. Some of you are ahead of me on this story. <laughs> and she says, uh, oh. He says, yes. He says, I had high hopes that I was going to be a famous novelist. And he says, unfortunately, the book didn't do well. And he says, I've been in depression ever since and haven't tried to write another one since then. And she says, well, what was the name of it? And he told her the name of, of the novel. And you know, the, the gears are turning then. She thinks to herself, wasn't that the book that I thought was so terrible and threw away? She never told him that, of course. And, but she was intrigued now, and so she ate a little bit faster than normal. She thought, well, probably it's not happening tonight anyway, the marriage thing, and, uh, and she got dropped off home. She gave him a quick peck on the cheek, and she ran into her home, and, uh, and she went hunting for it, and eventually found it lying in a box behind her shoes at the back of her closet. She pulled it out, and she put her pajamas on, and she jumped into bed, and she turned on the bedside lamp, and she started reading. And the first sentence had her hooked. First paragraph, she thought, wow, this guy can write, man. <laughs> she got to the end of the first page and she had goosebumps. She was so excited. She read all through the night. Like she was absolutely into this book, big time. And the morning sun was coming up and a chink of light coming through the curtains. She turned off her lamp and she put that book down and she said to herself, but also out aloud, 
that's the best novel I've ever read. Now, because you're really clever, I could see because you were way ahead of me on the story earlier, we all know what made the difference, don't we? She'd fallen in love with the author. And you know, if I don't say anything else to you today, I think when it gets right down to it, when we fall in love with the author, when we know the one of whom this book speaks and love him deeply, when we recognize that this is more than words on a page, but these are Jesus' love words to me, to you, that transforms everything. That's what makes the difference. So it's not about can we read more, reflect more, remember more, respond more to the Word. It's about do I really love Him? Because as I really love Him, the rest follows. One of the statistics, I do a lot of research, as you're probably guessing, that deeply concerns me is that worldwide, the average Christian sitting in our average church anywhere in the world, only 15% of them in the time that they are Christians will read this book from cover to cover. I wonder about that. I wonder about that. Again, when we did the Canadian Bible engagement study, and you should look that up, we have a website for that. It's the largest study of its kind. We used Angus Reid as the pollsters, and more than 15,000 pastors and congregations have accessed the report from that. I was uh, the team leader for that whole study. It's called the Canadian Bible Engagement Study. We did it in 2014 in partnership with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, and all the Bible agencies in our, in our country worked on that together. We discovered that even amongst evangelical Christians, of which your church is a denomination, your denomination is a member of the evangelicals at large in Canada, only 55%, and we have the highest statistic of all different types of churches, evangelicals do, only 55% of us read the Bible regularly. And so, with that knowledge and recognizing, which was another finding within that study, that there's a direct correlation in research, we're very interested in correlations. There's a direct correlation between church attendance and church growth and Bible reading and reflection. As this goes up, as Bible reading and reflection increases, so does church attendance and church growth as well. If this one goes down, the corollary is also true. Recognizing that, we have now spent several years working to put a resource in place that'll help people regardless of where they are in their Bible engagement, new to Bible engagement or long time seasoned engages with the Word of God, a resource that will help the church in Canada 
grow stronger in Bible engagement. And when Pastor Nick heard about it, he said, Lawson, you've got to come. He says, you've got to share this with the church. He knows that our big, hairy, audacious goal, our BHAG, is to get this resource into the hands of Christians in every community across Canada. And obviously, that's part of the Lord's plan because prior to going to printing, there were 20,000 copies already ordered from mission agencies and denominations and so on. I've brought it with me. Here it is. It's called Bible Engagement Basics. It retails for $18.95 in Christian bookstores. We're more interested in the ministry side of it, getting it into the hands of as many people as possible. The development cost is $5. You can get it for $5 after the service. It will help you very, very significantly. Some of you, your prayer life has diminished significantly or it's feeling quite rote. It's a wonderful chapter in there on how to pray the Scriptures. You'll revive your prayer life. Many of you are reading the Bible in the way you were taught to read. You don't know how to read in a way in which the Bible reads you so that your, life, so that your lives are transformed. It's a wonderful chapter in there on how the Bible reads you and how you learn to, to read the Bible the way God's planned for you to read it. Some of you work with children's ministry or seniors' ministry. There are chapters in there for every age group of how we engage different age groups with God's Word. There are 40 chapters that will significantly help you move from wherever you are to a much stronger place in engaging with God's Word. We have had endorsements from... Uh, all sorts of top people around the world. Nicky Gumbel, Alpha Ministries, for example, he's been promoting this, and so have, have many, many others. We would love to get that into your hands. If you can't afford it, I'll pay for it myself and give you a copy. Not because I'm the primary content person for it, not because that lover, lovely cover design and all the great formatting was done by Amy but because we know that it's a fantastic handbook that will help you better get into God's Word and live out God's Word. So please get a copy of that. And then finally, another thing which is very, very heavy on our hearts as Scripture Union is to get the children of this nation into God's Word. Because we know that the entrance of God's Word brings light this generation of children are more disconnected from Christ, the church, Christian faith and His Word than any previous generation in the history of Canada. Here we are celebrating our 150th anniversary, and spiritually the nation is at its lowest ebb, and this generation the most disconnected. We have published a series of five children's books that have the Scriptures included. There's rhyming in it. The artwork is phenomenal. In the first year, we, I think, we saw 40 to 50,000 of these distributed. They retail for between $5.99 and $7.99 each. Again, I've brought them for you uh, for the cost price of $2 each. If you're a grandparent, buy a set and give it to your grandkids. If you're a parent, buy a set. If you're not a parent or a grandparent, buy a set and give it to your neighbor's kids. 
We need to get the Word of God into the hands of the children of this nation. And this series tackles the five main themes that we believe children need to know. It has one on creation, because that's a huge battlefield spiritually. It then has one on the birth of Christ. In fact, we've just done a reprint on that one. It's called uh, the Christmas Alphabet, because they all have educational components tied to them. They're interactive. Um, one on the death of Christ, which is the Easter message. One called Good News Hughes, which is the whole gospel. And then this one, my favorite, which is in my hand here, which is how the whole story ends, which is called heaven, because we believe those five main biblical themes every child should know. And again, we, we desperately are trying to get those into the hands of children across this nation. Please help us with that. Please help us with that. So that's it for this morning. Let me pray. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Lisa. Uh, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for Rosewood. Thank you for the testimony of this church over the years, um, for the churches that have been planted out of this church. I think of the, the Ajax uh, Church uh, Connect, where uh, Pastor Yanni and uh, Amy are are at and the other ministries connected with this church. I pray, Father, that you'll continue to prosper this church spiritually in everything that is done here. Thank you for the sports camps that took place over the summer, and the Scripture Union could be a part of that. Continue to use the ministry of this church to reach the children. I thank you for this wonderful initiative that, that you've had here for the past few years uh, with, with the backpacks going back to school. And Lord, all these good things here prosper the work of, of this church, I pray, Father. But Lord, especially I pray that this church will continue to grow as a Bible-engaging church, that the men and women and youth and boys and girls in this church will, will more and more be living epistles, that the Word of God will be established and strengthened in each person's heart and life and that we will see something of a Bible engagement re revival uh, spreading out from uh, this place into this community. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a window to Jesus Christ. We thank you that your word uh, helps us uh, live out our faith and informs our actions in the way of Christ. And we pray, Father, that you'll help us to grow deeper and stronger in the Word. Lord, thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and God bless you.